at the feet of Jesus. In Luke chapter 7, we read of a woman of the city, which was a sinner, anointing our Lord's feet with her tears. By this action, she joins a unique list of those who are expressly associated in some way with the feet of Jesus. Among others in this catalogue, you'll find the likes of Legion, Mary of Bethany, distraught Jairus, the woman with the issue of blood, and the anguished Syrophoenician woman with a very sick daughter. They are joined by a multitude of sick folk, several Marys, and even an angel who is described as sitting at the feet where the Lord had once lain in the tomb. In the Apocalypse we find the Apostle John and the saints all bowing at the feet of Jesus. Then there are others who are absent from his feet, who see no need to associate with or focus on his feet. The aim of this exhortation is to examine several of these engagements with Christ's feet and draw out lessons for ourselves, to examine what our position as saints and disciples might be in relation to our Lord's feet. When we investigate those instances where the feet of Jesus are referenced, we discover a pattern of three categories that emerge. The feet of Jesus, firstly, become a precinct for sitting and listening. They were associated with people who yielded themselves to a zone of submission, a place where they could listen and learn from him, a space of education where a student-teacher relationship might grow and develop. Secondly, his feet become linked with those who could approach him in humility and desperation, a place where one might plead for his immediate attention to a crisis or calamity. Thirdly, his feet also become a sanctuary for worship and quiet reverence, a zone where they could show love and gratitude and in turn receiving grace and forgiveness. To demonstrate this pattern, let us examine the following examples. Returning to Luke chapter 7, we find that Simon the Pharisee is aghast as this woman of dubious repute slips in uninvited to his private dinner party. How dare she interrupt? She carries something, a gift, a small stone box of ointment. In verse 38, this disruptor moves to where Jesus lay reclining on the lounge among the guests. She next performs five actions. First, she stood at his feet, behind him weeping. Second, she began to wash his feet with tears. Third, she wiped them with her hair. Fourth, she kissed his feet. Fifth, she anointed them with the ointment. So this woman, who was saddled by sin and burdened with bad behaviour, finds a place of acceptance at the feet of the Lord. Her thankfulness and love permeate the room like the perfumed ointment she is massaging into his feet. Here, as she wipes away the excess oil with her hair, she focuses all her attention on Christ's feet. As a consequence, she is forgiven of her many sins because she loved much. This woman demonstrated extreme humility in a desperate appeal, and showing love and thankfulness in turn received forgiveness. In Luke chapter 8, we intrepidly but curiously go out with the townsfolk to see Legion, and we are astonished. The reports are true. Here in verse 35 is that wild, wretched creature with matted hair covered in sores, caked in filth, who screamed and moaned and terrified everyone in his vicinity. Now he is quietly sitting at the feet of Jesus, 
clothed and in his right mind. Unbelievable. He was once a mad and tormented being that groveled and shouted among the tombs, howling in pain and rage through fear and from madness of his condition. Normally out of control, fierce and unstable, to be restrained with chains, now sitting, listening to Jesus speak, clothed and in his right mind. So, Legion has entered the learning zone at Christ's feet, fitting the pattern of a pupil-teacher relationship. And also, from that calm position of self-control at Christ's feet, he seeks to follow Jesus in his journeys. At the feet of Jesus, in humility of mind, he finds the peace of God, which passes all understanding. All his anxieties, his rage and doubts and fears have disappeared. In the presence of Christ at his feet, our Lord can do for us what he did for Legion. He transformed him into a person which reflected the qualities of the angels. Firstly, excelling in strength. Secondly, doing his commandments. Thirdly, hearkening unto the voice of his word as you read in Psalm 103. Jesus sends Legion on a great mission. Empowered by the Spirit, with a sound mind, he returns home to his friends. If we listen to our Lord with humility and follow his guidance, we likewise will be granted the peace of Christ. Our problem? We are like Legion, always in two minds. We battle against sin and the carnal mind, and are in desperate need of being clothed and covered like legion. It is only through the atoning work of the Son of Man that we can gain that sense of peace and forgiveness. By putting on Christ, we can escape the ravages of sin. When we examine the actions of Mary of Bethany, we find that she fits into the pattern of all three categories. In Luke chapter 10, we find her in a quiet space, sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing his word. When her chosen position is questioned by Martha, why isn't Mary with me helping in the kitchen? Jesus expounds an important principle for every disciple in every era. Mary has chosen that good part, portion or share, that will not be taken away from her. In John 11, Mary utters a desperate appeal for help, falling at Christ's feet. Her beloved brother, Lazarus, has died because Jesus has delayed his arrival. She was tormented by this. Why hadn't he come earlier? They had sent out an urgent SOS. Surely Jesus could have done something remotely. Why has he wrung them out like this? Jesus feels her pain and anguish. That cry of humanity, doubtless heard at the first death in the first family in Eden. He groans and weeps with her. But her deep sorrow turns to supreme joy when Jesus commands that they open the tomb by rolling away the stone, their dead brother hears the voice of his Lord, Lazarus, come forth, and responds by emerging alive from his tomb, still swathed in bandages. We find Mary once more at the feet of Jesus in John chapter 12, where she anointed his feet in anticipation of his burial. In doing this, she showed her love and thankfulness. She takes a liberal amount of spikenard, a very expensive cream, smears it on his feet and begins to massage it in, drying the excess moisture with her hair. We notice the importance of spikenard and its fragrance in Song of Solomon chapters 1 and 4. Mary is very much present 
in the feet zone of Jesus. She understands what they symbolise. Her actions there are a profound expression of love, respect and thankfulness for all that Christ has done for them. Mary also understands that his own death is imminent. However, there were those who excluded themselves from the feet zone of Jesus, particularly Judas, who condemned Mary for such wastefulness. He soon excused himself from the table in the upper room in order to betray Jesus, after pocketing just thirty pieces of silver. In Luke 7, Simon the Pharisee excludes himself from the feet zone too. Jesus dropped a heavy stone of accusation on him at his failure to appreciate the love and forgiveness of a huge debt that had been amply demonstrated in his home. Simon, you have given me nothing, no water for my feet, no welcoming kiss, no oil for my head. Jesus turned his back on Simon to bless and forgive a great debt of sin incurred by this woman standing behind him. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus to learn from him. It's about our attitude and demeanour as modern disciples. Are we listening to what he has to say to us? Is our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ based on a recognition of his superiority? Are we learning from him as wise disciples? Are we taking positive steps too? Elevate humility over pride. Practice spirit thinking rather than natural thinking. Manifest faith rather than doubt. Maintain truth in the face of error. We need to humble ourselves at his feet and recognise our need for his help. As he taught us in John chapter 14, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. We need to find that quiet place of worship and offer our thankfulness and praise as we experience forgiveness and mercy. This should be reflected in our prayers to the Father in his name. If we confess our sins in humility at his feet, we will receive forgiveness. Our Lord offers us a hope of eternal life in the kingdom of God that will very soon be established on the earth. At that time, our Lord's feet will be markedly different Revelation 1 showcases the united body of Christ, the one like the Son of Man, whose feet are like under fiery brass. By God's grace, we will possess a polished, refined nature, and will form part of those bright, powerful feet to tread down underfoot wickedness as ashes. Before that time of judgment, however, we will be effusive in our praise and worship of the Lord Jesus Christ by falling down at his feet in recognition of his sovereignty and honour. So let's not exclude ourselves from Christ's feet through ingratitude or insincerity. Instead, let us sit at his feet to receive his words and humble ourselves in love and in thankfulness by treasuring the sanctuary we all have at our Lord's feet. <laughs>